So I want to open up by reading our passage that we'll be studying this morning, Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. If you want to join me in your own Bible, um, hard copy or electronic, that'd be great. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, thank you for bringing us together. What a joy it is to be in the presence of your people. Thank you, God, for your saving work on the cross for us. If it weren't for you, none of us would be here. Lord, be with us this morning. Teach us from your word. Help me to get out of the way. Use me as your instrument this morning, Lord. Work on our hearts. Start with me. Teach us. And we'll be sure to give you the glory and the praise and the honor that only you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so we opened up this morning uh, with the Lord's Prayer, and it's noteworthy that the Lord's Prayer really is messianic in its, in its nature. It is for uh, foretelling, uh, anticipating the kingdom of God coming to earth. And uh, Jesus knew full well as he taught them to pray this prayer that he was praying for their, he was praying, or he was asking them to pray for his very betrayal, his trial, his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection. The kingdom of God has been anticipated and desired since the fall of mankind. All the prophets foretold in an anticipation that one day God's kingdom would come to earth, that he would restore what was broken. And when Jesus was born, the kingdom had come near. The king had come. The kingdom had not yet come. And throughout his ministry, he talked about the nearness of the kingdom of God. In fact, in Matthew, he says three times, Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. It is at hand. It is right at the door. It is imminent. So in other words, he says, get your affairs in order with God because his kingdom is coming. And because of his death on the cross, sacrificial, he paid for the sins of mankind. And through his resurrection, he overcame the penalty of the sins of mankind, death, separation from God, and because of his love for us, his desire to restore what was broken, he did all that work for you and for me, that we might know the King of Kings, that we might have a relationship eternally with God, and that one day when his kingdom comes, we would be able to enjoy his presence forever. And indeed, uh, it was inaugurated 
upon his resurrection. The kingdom has indeed come. It has been inaugurated, but it has not yet been fulfilled. It is both now and not yet. Now, now inaugurated, but not yet fulfilled. So what happens in this span between inauguration and fulfillment? Jesus tells us in Matthew 24, 14, where he says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Then the end will come. And I don't want you to get focused on how that end will come, whether you're a pre-mill person or an all-mill person. All that's a, a topic for another sermon or two or three or four, right? What I want you to focus on this morning is the age that we are in, because God is in the process of constructing His kingdom. And when we think about kingdoms, there are four things to keep in mind. There are four attributes of any kingdom. One, there must be a king, Right? Can't have a kingdom if you don't have a king. Secondly, it, there must be a law. But kings give edicts. That's what kings do. They give laws for people to follow. Third, there must be a territory over which the king governs. And last, there must be subjects. Doesn't do a whole lot of good to have a king without subjects. So when we think about the kingdom of God coming to earth, we know who the king is. The king is Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. We, we know the law. This is the law of love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. We know the territory, both heaven and earth, all of the physical and the spiritual realm, all of reality is his kingdom. What we don't know fully yet are the subjects. Well, of course, we know that those of us uh, here today, who follow him, we are subjects of his. We are in his kingdom. And all those who came before us who were faithful are in his kingdom. But what we don't know is out of the roughly 8 billion people in the world today, and for generations to come, how many of them will be subjects of the kingdom of God? How many of them will be with us. Jesus, in the Lord's Prayer, has us pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So as His kingdom is inaugurated and being expanded, He wants us to fulfill God's will on earth in the same way that it is done in heaven, which kind of begs the question, doesn't it? Well, then how is God's will done in heaven if that's the way he wants us to do it on earth? So we're going to look at both God's will and how it is done in heaven, how it is done on earth as we look at this passage this morning. But in short, God's will is being done on earth through the faithful actions of us, the body of Christ which are, number one, privileged. Privileged. Matthew 28, 18a says, Then Jesus came to them and said... Now, Matthew, being a former tax collector, a bean counter, was certainly meticulous with his figures, and he was pretty meticulous about his wording as well. And sometimes we lose things in translation. So if I were to translate this, to try and 
kind of capture the punch of what is being said here, it would be more along the lines of having approached them, Jesus proclaimed to them, saying, having approached, Jesus proclaimed to them, saying. And this is where, uh, in, in one sense, Jesus proclaimed the fact that he is the king, the kingdom has come to earth, and he is approaching his disciples in almost a, an official sense of saying, uh, I am the king, you are my commanders, I'm giving you your marching orders, your first marching orders. And it's not, uh, it is amazing really that God would bother to approach his own disciples to give marching orders. When you think about the fact that God could obviously do it himself. And yet, he gives his disciples the privilege of joining in his mission, of expanding the kingdom of God. And that's true in heaven too, the angels. Can you imagine the privilege that the archangel Gabriel had to after centuries of anticipating the king and the kingdom of God, God sends him to Mary. He could have done that himself, but he sends Gabriel. Gabriel, go down and give the good news to Mary. She's going to be so amazed. And he goes and shares the good news that the king is coming and he's coming through you. The long-awaited king. What a privilege. What an honor. What a joy. Gabriel must have experienced in being able to share that good news with mankind. In the same way, we have that privilege as his people. He's approached us as his people to bear the gospel, to bring the gospel to the world. What a privilege and we as a church have been embracing that privilege for over a hundred years. Isn't that awesome? The fact that you and I are here this morning is because of the faithful people of this church over the generations who have prayed, who have joined the mission. And it isn't it amazing to think of the privilege that as we continue on that legacy, the people that we touch, the lives that we influence, the people that we have the opportunity and privilege of leading to Christ, that one day we will spend eternity with those people who may not have been there if it weren't for our actions. What a privilege we have. God's will is being done on earth through the faithful actions of us, the body of Christ, which are privileged and also authoritative. They're also authoritative. Matthew 28, 18 goes on to say, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Again, some of the 
punch is lost here. Literally, it says, has been given to me. Emphasis on me. Has been given to me all authority in heaven and on earth. And what's interesting is that in heaven and on earth, almost verbatim what is in the Lord's Prayer about God's will being done in heaven and on earth. Jesus is the one who has the authority in heaven on earth, and it is he who has the right to bestow that authority on whomever he wishes. And that is what he has done for us. He has given us that authority to go and minister in his name. Same is done in heaven. Gabriel was sent, before he was sent to Mary, was sent to Zechariah to tell him about the coming of John the Baptist that uh, his wife was going to bear. And Zechariah asked the angel in Luke 1, 18 through 20, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. He went to Zechariah in the authority of God, and what he bound on earth was bound in heaven, and Jesus says the same things to his own disciples. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What is amazing is that God gives us his authority, not our own. When we walk, we walk in his, not our own authority, but in his authority, we do walk. We have the authority to defend, protect, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he has paid for the sins of mankind, that he welcomes you into his kingdom. He longs to love you with his love. He longs to embrace you in spirit. He longs to know you. We, wherever we go, I want you to keep this in mind. When you leave here today, if you go to a restaurant or you go into a, a place of business or maybe you take a walk today, that no matter where you step your foot today and any day, that piece of ground belongs to Jesus. He has been given authority in heaven and on earth. Everywhere we go, we go in his authority to proclaim, protect, defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. We go in boldness and confidence knowing that we're on kingdom business. We're on kingdom business. God's will is being done on earth through the faithful actions of us, the body of Christ, which are authoritative and immediate, immediate, Matthew 28, 19a says, Therefore, uh, go and make disciples of all nations. Again, literally, here's what it says, literally, 
having gone, having gone, disciple all nations. It was so urgent in Jesus' mind that the presumption was as he gives them the command that they've already left. (laughs) They've already gone about that business, which that immediacy, urgency, when you look at Acts chapter 1, verse 9 through 11, is very visible. When Jesus was being taken up into heaven after he'd given his last uh, commandment to his disciples on the Mount of Olives, it says, Acts 1, 9 through 11, after he said this, he was taken up before them, before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. In essence, they're saying, what on earth are you still doing here? There's nothing more to see. Get busy. And when you think about the fact that it probably wasn't just mere moments that they're standing there gazing into the sky that God looks at two angels as you and you, go down and tell them to get going. There's an immediacy that he desires of us, which is why we as a church, we support over 30 missions organizations and missionaries. And because we believe in the immediacy, the urgency of getting the gospel out there, In fact, one of those missionary organizations is called Elevate Global that Brandon and Jessica Hutz started. Take a look. My name is Brandon with Activate Global, and I am in South Asia right now uh, serving with some church planters and pastors. Over the last three weeks, We have been to every single state in this country, and we've been gathering the local church to discuss what would it look like to plant a church in every village of this nation. Right now, we've identified that there are 70,000 villages in this country, and 60,000 of them still need a gospel witness. And so we've been coming up with strategies of training pastors and sending missionaries here on the local level uh, so that in five years we could see a church in every village. And uh, I just thought of you guys as I was here. I just thank you so much for thinking about uh, these places in the world that are still unreached and for you as a church to partner with us in helping train and send workers to some of the hardest places in the world. And when I say that, I don't mean that as just like an exaggeration. Um, To give you an idea, some of these pastors uh, came with their wives, with their family, um, seven days walking out of the mountains or riding a mule for a couple days or a bus for two days, a mule for two days, and then walking for several days. And to come to a two-day meeting to come up with a strategy uh, and get some biblical teaching, it's just incredible. the hunger that so many of these leaders have and the passion that they have to take the good news of Jesus to where it's never been. Uh, So it's just a hard place in a lot of ways. Uh, We ask a question at every one of these meetings, how many of you have been persecuted for the gospel? And to see every hand uh, go up, whether they were beaten, 
um, by police or whether they had family struggles because of their choice to follow Jesus. Uh, it's just not an easy place. But as you have chose uh, to pray with us and, and run with us, uh, we are seeing God do incredible and amazing things. And so I can't wait to share with you more on how this is going. Today is our last uh, day here with about 50 leaders in this last state. Uh, but wanted to just say thank you so much for standing with us for the sake of the gospel. God bless. Isn't that awesome? To see that heart and that passion to reach that country for Christ, which you don't know the country and that's on purpose. But what a blessing that we have to be able to participate with their ministry. We are considering it a privilege to be a part of the immediacy, the urgency of sharing the gospel. God's will is being done on earth through the faithful actions of us, the body of Christ, which are immediate and also obedient, obedient. Matthew 28, 19 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Now there's two things that he wants us to do. One, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. And two, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So when you think about this kingdom construction that is going on in this age, that he gives us the privilege to participate in, he wants us to do two things. One, he wants us to increase the breadth of his kingdom of God by bringing more subjects into it, by telling more people about his love and forgiveness and his grace, that he might have a relationship with them to expand the breadth of his kingdom. But then secondly, after we've brought them in as subjects, is to teach them to be faithful subjects, godly subjects, loving subjects teaching them to obey all that he has commanded us, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, love our neighbor as ourselves. That's what he calls us to be obedient to. Can you imagine if Gabriel decided, well, you know, <laughs> it really doesn't matter if I tell Mary that his name's supposed to be Jesus. I mean, minor details. Right? No, in heaven... When God tells an angel to do something, they do exactly as they're told. That's why we as a church, we are very picky about who we support in missions work. We only support missions and missionary organizations that are committed to this command to expand the, the, the breadth and the depth of the kingdom of God by holding to the whole gospel, but only the gospel, such as Craig Joring with Hope of the Poor that we support. Take a look. My name is Craig Joring. I grew up on a farm in rural Nebraska. Went to a country school. There were eight people in my school until I came to high school. I always have had a heart for the poor. I can remember since I was a small child seeing people that were different and just being really drawn to them. When I was in grade school, the kids with Down syndrome had a school and we went to visit that school. And as I sat there in that class, 
I can remember, I mean, I was embarrassed because I started crying. That was, a, that was just a moment that, uh, that in some ways really has defined my life. I grew up in a Christian home. One thing that really marked my life was uh, after church, every Sunday, my family would go to the rest home and we would, uh, we would sing for the people in the rest home and we would visit them. We would go around and shake their hands and value them. And then we went home and had lunch. I have no memory of ever going to church and then not serving immediately after. It just went hand in hand. In college, I was involved in a campus ministry. Really grew in my faith and loved it. After college, I wanted to give to others. I became an employee of a campus ministry organization where I was working with college students. I would take the college students on mission trips. At one point, my organization asked me to move to Mexico City for three years and lead a number of staff and a strategy to work with college students and work with the poor. I fell in love with the poor in Mexico City and I stayed there after the job was over. I spent a decade working with the poor in Mexico and I would take on a community of street kids and just work with them, get them off drugs, get them into jobs, and then integrate them into the culture. Um, and then I would take on another community of street kids. And then I met Danny and we immediately just started talking about what could be. And I invited Danny to come and visit Mexico City and, and work with the poor. And when he saw what, we, what I had been doing with the poor, for the previous decade, he just had amazing ideas about how we could, how we could expand this ministry, work with more families, take more families off the street, bring more people in on mission trips and pilgrimages to encounter the poor and have their lives impacted from being a part of this mission. We founded Hope of the Poor in 2016 and since that time, we've seen God do amazing things, and we've seen God grow this ministry, and I believe it's gonna continue, and we're going to like see more people impacted as, as people bring Christ to the poor, and the poor bring Christ to us. Don't you love his heart? Mm-hmm. That's the heart that he wants in all of us. Realize that as we bring people in and we expand the breadth of the kingdom of God that it gets kind of messy because none of us came to Christ in perfection. We all brought baggage and sin with us. And so as we expand the breadth of the kingdom of God and we bring in more subjects, it's a very messy thing. But the amazing thing is, is we take part of the second part of deepening the kingdom of God, that God changes that into a beautiful mess. That is the church. God's will is being done on earth through the faithful actions of us, the body of Christ, which are obedient and also assured assured. Matthew 28, um, last part of verse 20. 
And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Until he returns, he's with us always to the very end of the age. You know, he's telling his disciples, I want you to go. I'm sending you out. And you're going to experience persecution and hardship, difficulties. But I want you to know that everywhere you go, I'm going with you. And just like the angel Gabriel, when he stood there with Zechariah, he said, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to you. On the one hand, physically, he's standing in the presence of Zechariah, but spiritually, he's standing in the presence of God. God has given us his Holy Spirit as his people. He is with us through his Spirit. And no matter where we go, a church or individuals, he is with us. And when we hit those situations in our lives where we're uncertain about how it's going to turn out, fear begins to creep in. We can be like those children who grab the hand of a parent, and hold them close, hug their leg, to know that mom and dad has got this. And you know what? It doesn't mean that Jesus is going to deliver us from all persecution. In fact, some of us here could possibly lose our lives in the proclamation of the gospel. But the assurance is that regardless of what we go through, even if we lose our lives, Jesus is right there to welcome us home. God's will is being done on earth through the faithful actions of us, the body of Christ. We as a church want to continue to expand and be obedient to his mission. And we long to have you join us in that mission, to be a part of that. And there, at the bottom of your handout, you'll notice that there are three QR codes. I just want to encourage you to explore the opportunities that we provide for you to be able to join us in the mission. First one there is from Carney to the World. I'll take you to our website from Carney to the World. You know, God has laid on us a desire to continue to expand short-term missions. There are short-term missions opportunities. We're going to Chicago, inner city Chicago, next month, actually. Normally, we'll take a van or two to go to Chicago and, and share the love of Christ to be Christ in the midst of the inner city, wouldn't it be awesome to take a bus? How about two? What's to prevent us from enforce as the body of Christ going to share the love of Jesus in inner city Chicago? We'd love to have you come. We also have a partnership in Magonga, Colombia, with Compassion International, where we've helped to plant a church and construct a building there, and we sponsor Compassion Children. We have over 300 Compassion Children from the Magonga area that we sponsor. And last week, we had Compassion Sunday. Fifteen more of you joined that 300. I'm so thankful for that. I have a few more, by the way, if you... If you want to sponsor a child from Magonge, let me know afterwards. But realize that if you go with us to Magonge, we can't go this year because of COVID, but if you go with us next year, God willing, you would be able to meet your sponsor 
child in person to embrace them, to let them know God loves them, that you love them. What an awesome privilege. So that's the first one. The second one is community engagement, the second QR code there. You know, God has called us from Carney to the world, but the amazing thing is that more right now than ever, God is bringing swiftly the world to Kearney through refugees, immigrants, foreign students. Now, I might step on some toes here, including my own, so pull them in if you need to. But regardless of whether we agree with how or why those people are flooding our nation, is it possible that God is testing the American church today because he wants to know, will you love them? Will you embrace them? They're lost. They need me. Will you share the gospel with them rather than judge them? Because frankly, men and women, None of us came to Jesus clean. If you want to join our community engagement, there are lots of ways to do it. You can, you can help out with the, the uh, bilingual church. You can join eFree Transit. You can help out with Storehouse. Explore the ways that you could be involved. But last... That last QR code, volunteer opportunities. The amazing thing is you don't even have to leave the building and grounds to have a a kingdom-impactful ministry. There's a whole generation of kids that need to hear the gospel and know the love of Jesus. You could join the ministry, children's ministry, youth ministry, college ministry. You could help out with building and grounds, you know, providing a welcome environment for people to come and hear the good news of Jesus Christ. You could help out with the tech team. Lots of ways. I just want to encourage you to come join us in the mission. And for those of you who have, for those of you who have already joined the mission, I just want to, on behalf of everybody that you have impacted already in your lives, say thank you. You will not regret the investment in their lives. For eternity, you won't regret your investment. But perhaps this morning, God is calling you to a new challenge. Maybe you've never been on a short-term missions trip, and he really wants you to go. Okay, I'm trusting the Holy Spirit is working in each of our lives to show us where he wants us to take the next step. And it might be you might have to give up a ministry in order to do something different. And that's fine. We trust that God can backfill any position, right? God is in the business of moving his people in depth and growth. There might be some of you who haven't joined the mission yet. And there's a reason for that, isn't there? For those of you who are sitting there and there's not a place that you know you've joined the mission, like I said, we all bring baggage. We all have doubts. We all have fears. The one passage that we didn't focus on this morning I want to hit is Matthew 28, 16 
through 17. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Is that you this morning? Is it you that thinks, how could God want to use me? Why would he want to use me? I've done so many things wrong. I want you to know that you're not alone. You know, the disciples, for three years they went with Jesus in ministry. They were expecting Jesus to bring to fulfillment his kingdom of God right then and there as the Messiah. And they were on board with that. They couldn't wait. They were excited about being a part of that mission. And then he's betrayed. He's put on trial. He's crucified. He's buried. And where are they? They split. They abandoned him. And then three days later, somehow, he's supposedly alive. All of their dreams, their whole rug had been pulled out from under him. All of their hopes, gone. And then he appears again. And in Luke 24, 40 to 43, it says, When he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it, they still doubted because of joy and amazement. And I'm trusting that right now, right here this morning, God is working in the hearts of you who have not joined the mission anywhere, that God is prompting and your heart guided over the fact that God would want to use you, that he could use you. And yet there's doubt. You're afraid to get your hopes up. I just want to say that Jesus sees you right now. He knows your heart. He loves that you're excited about the possibility. And he knows the doubt. He knows the fear, the anticipation, and that doesn't scare him. Instead, just as he did with the disciples here, it says, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He's saying, look, let me eat this. Do ghosts eat things? It is me. It's me. I'm here. Touch me and see. Jesus is saying to each one of us who haven't joined the mission, just touch me and see. Give me a chance. Take a step. Try just one thing. Just try it. Let me show myself to you. Let me show my love to you. Let me show my love through you to others. I just want to challenge you. Join the mission. We're going to close in prayer this morning, but I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the worship team, come on up. We're going to, uh, I'm going to pray the Lord's Prayer, but I, I want to pray it a little bit differently, and I want to challenge us to think that, you know, is it possible that God didn't just give us 
this Lord's Prayer as a pattern of prayer? Is it possible that he gave us this prayer as, in a sense, a missionary's mantra for the body of Christ? Something that we pray when we can together, but when we, when we pray it alone, we pray it on behalf of each other? Okay? Join me in prayer. It would go something like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come now in fullness. Thy will be done on earth through us, your people, in the same way that it is done in heaven. Lord, you've given us a great privilege and honor, but we know as we go, fulfilling the works you prepared in advance for us to do through the power of your Holy Spirit, using the gifts you've given us, God, we aren't always going to be equipped. We aren't always going to be ready. So God, give us this day our daily bread. And Lord, as we go out into the world and expand the breadth of your kingdom, God, we're going to screw up. We mess up so many times. We hurt people. They hurt us. Lord, ministry is a messy business. But as we go about your ministry, forgive us our sins. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And Lord, you're going to call us to places we've never been to do things we've never done to share the gospel with people we don't know in cultures and languages we don't understand. Dangers will abound, but God, we just pray that as we go, you would lead us not into temptation, but that you would deliver us from evil. Because God, your kingdom is the kingdom. Your power is the power. Your glory is the glory that we long for in fullness forever and ever. Amen.